this week on Planet Internet, how to lose your startup without losing your faith, understanding the ups and downs involved in investing in Bitcoin, the 10 most traded tech stocks of 2021 so far, a quick visit to a few AI-enabled smart cities from Canada to Amsterdam, and the best internet reactions to the Friends reunion. Let's start there. We're joined today by our CEO, Ling Dao Smook, who I know has a lot to say on the subject of the Friends reunion. So let's hit pause on that and go straight to Amy and Hung, who are also members of the Hacker Noon team, with these two memes regarding Joey Tribbiani and James Corden, respectively. Amy, you're up first. Can you describe exactly what we're seeing on this James Corden meme for our audio listeners? Excellent. So I'll start by saying to you that I have not yet watched the Friends reunion. So I looked at this meme and I was like, okay, I feel like I understand a lot better now because it, it says, I'm sorry if this isn't brand new information, but why in the fresh hell is James Corden hosting part of the Friends reunion? Hashtag Friends reunion. And it is a photo of Rachel and Phoebe and Ross looking audacious. Perfect. Thank you for that. Now, Hung, will you go ahead and describe the second reaction to the Friends reunion we're seeing now? It was just like Joey got the same haircut that he got from 20 years ago. And it was a comparison to like what girl reacted to the haircut and guy reacted to the haircut. That is. I can tell in my barber cut my hair like this, like one millimeter shorter than I said. And that, I would be very upset about that because I love my hair. Like I am obsessed with my hair. But I feel like Joey just doesn't give a shit. He really does look the same too. Like <laughs> nothing yeah. has changed. How can he do that? He does not age, maybe. No, I feel like he aged a lot. Like, But I feel like he did a lot of aging from season one to season 10 already. <laughs> like he was, he looks so cute from the first two seasons. And I feel like because he ate a lot of pizza, I guess, all the fast food just got in on him. And by season 10, I'm like, Joey, you are no longer cute. Let me rephrase that. I don't think he hasn't aged, but he certainly has kept the same facial structure and the same type of smile. Mm -hmm. And just certainly everything about him, you still can recognize that Joey should be like, that's tough. (laughs) I feel like he does have an iconic look. Yeah, I feel like they didn't have to act a lot in that in that sitcom. I feel like they, they live in the character. So it's just like how, how they act in front is how they are in real life. I just feel like it. I could tell if I met, met like Jennifer Aspinton or and I can say, hey, Rachel, what's up? Yeah. But he definitely looks the same after 20 years. I know why. 100%. Ling, what is your full debrief of the Friends reunion? Let's hear it. I actually did watch it. And my hot take is I don't hate it. In fact, I think if we just ignore the whole not mentioning of fat Monica because it's so problematic or the transphobic description of Chandler dad, it's it's pretty decent as a reunion. Like you're a Friends fan, you feel warm, you feel 
nostalgic and then you feel like comforted somewhat. Friends resonate so much with a large group of people even to this day despite all of this problematic and I hate using this word depictions of things. I think there are a few reasons for it. A large portion of the friends audience are actually people whose language is not, uh, whose first language is not English. And for example, myself, I'm not the native English speaker. And France is actually like the gateway for a lot of these people to understand English and learn English and understand American culture. And so a lot of, I would say snooty, like comedy, appreciating people is typically in the U.S would like look at these friends admirers and be like but yeah why would you like such a show so my hot take is it's actually better to understand friends from like an international perspective and how like a bunch of beautiful people in their 20s who speak perfect english and who have great chemistry resonate with international people and how as a culture like moving forward we can kind of empathize with that. Now, I don't love friends anymore because I think I've become whitewashed after coming to America for a while and like appreciating new kinds of comedy. But I think over the weekend, I'm still going to try to write my love letter and my appreciation for this show because it was so influential uh, in my life as a 20-something, as a late teen, and as someone who tried to learn English. So, that was so Ling, how long have you been in the U.S. for? Up and back and forth, but I was 18 when I came here. Okay. And, and I'm 30. were you watching Friends when it came out? No, no. I was watching oh, it, so you watch it as I tried to learn English. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And I so when did you pick it late, up? Like on. when you started come when you started to come to the States? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about it like that in terms of, so I grew up in Vancouver. I'm Canadian, born and raised. And so this is, I've definitely been raised in the North American culture to begin with. I've never thought about it like that. And from an international perspective of having an attachment to it because you learn English from it. I know that a lot of people do learn English from the show, but I didn't, I guess I never thought about how much of an emotional impact that would have as well. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, a couple of that with the growing pain of the 20-something, like, unable to date or dating too mm. much and, like, just, like, relationship <laughs> issues and how, like, comedy-wise, it could improve, like, the whole laughing track and what have you. But if you, like, take that away and just look into the romance, I think it does a decent job. So a lot of 20-something resonate with them that way. I know we could and would happily discuss this all day, but we must move on to the next segment of Planet Internet. I believe Ling is planning to write a story about friends slash love letter. So be on the lookout for that. But let's move on to the stories of the week. Read anything good on Hackanoon, Amy? Yes, I read this story about an AI-enabled city. It's about smart cities and how to get it right. I thought this was super interesting because it talks about this Canadian project called Keyside. I didn't know about this before, but it got cancelled, quote-unquote, due to COVID. But this author really thinks that it had other issues before the project got cancelled due to COVID. The project itself is called Keyside, and it was supposed to be an AI-enabled city for Toronto's industrial waterfront. 
they are essentially saying that Keyside failed to build public trust. So that was one of the key aspects of building an AI-enabled city. And if you don't get that public trust, you won't have a successful AI-enabled city is essentially what this author is saying. So thank you to Evelyn, who is our Hacker Noon contributor. Nice. Yeah, this story actually prompted me to look at how Amsterdam is using AI in the city. And uh, classic Amsterdam, they have a handy website called the Algorithm Register, which uh, describes exactly how they're doing that. And four of the interesting ways are automated parking control, which makes sense, but then also the one and a half meter social distancing control and monitors. And it can confirm we have been told to get out of the city center by a drone when it becomes too crowded. So that was pretty intense. They also monitor issues around the city, litter or garbage being put in the wrong place. And interestingly, monitoring illegal holiday housing rentals because you're only allowed to Airbnb or sublet your place here for a maximum of 30 nights per year, but for a maximum of four people at a time, which is quite a sort of effective way to combat, I don't know, I guess the decay of communities that tourist towns really suffer from when nobody there is a permanent resident. Let's move on to the 10 most traded tech stocks of 2021, shall we? Hung, do you want to tell us a little bit about this story? <clears throat> okay, so generally, basically talk about what are the most traded stock in 2021 so far, because it's just like five months into 2021. I don't know how he categorized the most traded, maybe like the most people who bought it or whatever, but it, it just lists our 10 most popular tech stock in the tech category. And first we have Apple, who doesn't know Apple. If you are new into stock market, I feel like you should buy Apple at some point in your life because I don't see Apple going away anytime soon. Buying Apple and every time it goes down to 5%, I just bought it and I also reinvest. Tesla is an interesting case because I don't know. I don't know if I, if I should tell people, should you buy Tesla? Because I do adore the Maya Elon Musk, but I hate him. I don't like him at all. Like, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> but if you ever look, I, I have the... Uh, opportunity of going to Silicon Valley and my roommate was like found stock obsessed so he technically visited all the tech campus you, you can think of and I saw and we went to Facebook campus and after we got before he got kicked out I saw like a whole line of Tesla cars just charging over there and oh my god they look spectacular like I'm like if I become like if, if tomorrow raise my salary by 5x, I would definitely put some of my money into Tesla. And then we have Intel. We have a couple more like Intel and Inside Enterprise. They are okay. I, I, I don't like Intel because I bought it. But it, keep, it kept going down to the point. I'm like, whatever. I would just see if I can break even and I sell it away. We have Microsoft, number six which is, I love that stuff. Like I bought, it was like my first office stuff I bought back in 2018 for my 20th birthday. And it just go up. I don't care how people trust it. I love it. I don't know a photo. I don't know much about it. But if you are interested in like Chinese and Hong Kong stuff, I would say like Alibaba or Tencent is a better 
is a way better choice for you. Alphabet is okay. Typical, basic. AT&T, AT&T is okay. I don't care a lot. I know Lima like AT&T because it pays dividend. So they are pretty good dividend stuff. Like if you care about dividend at all. So like if you buy a bundle of stuff and you got dividend by quarter, it's okay. I don't care much about dividend. I care more about growth. So for me, this list is good. I have like more than two stuff in this list. So I would definitely recommend you give this list a go. And this list is easy enough to understand because if you go into like overly technical financial analyst, analysis website like Second Alpha, like you would doze up after five minutes reading that unless you work in, I don't know, Wall Street. So I would really recommend the article for like a read if you are like new into stuff and you want to know like what tech stuff to buy without having to like, if you're like a passive investor, definitely give that article a go. Literally, my only comment is that I would also start investing, laying it if you 5x my salary. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sit on it. Nice, everyone. That was to wrap up the 10 best tech stocks, the most traded in 2021. Forecasts, Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Intel, and Alphabet coming out top. According to Hacker Noon, you heard it first, so read it there. Speaking of startups, any startup funding or acquisition news in your area recently, Amy? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so I was just reading this article on the Daily Hive, which was written by an author whose name is Sam Chan. And it's a very Vancouver-based publication, which is really exciting. So this article is very Vancouver-focused, which I love. It ta- he talks about the Grizzlies, and he talks about all of the different like Vancouver tech startups. And then he specifically talks about Dapper Labs, which is a Vancouver-based company. You might have heard of them. They are the company behind the NBA Top Shot, and they are also the company behind CryptoKitties. Super exciting that it's Vancouver-based. They made the headlines again this week though because Michael Jordan just invested in their company and he is joined by other NBA players. I don't know them, but they're there. <laughs> Where's David when we need him? The resident hacker noon basketball expert. <laughs> 100%. Ling would probably have something to say about that, but also on the subjects of investments, Ling had been talking this week about a story regarding the ups and downs of investing in Bitcoin. Absolutely. It's from one of my favorite Hakanoon writers, Noam Levinson. And he went into details on what happened with the bear and the bull market back in 2017. Up until now, we see a lot of crypto boom, and then we see the latest sudden kind of dip. And then it went into details about how there are like types of people that just want to get into crypto just to get rich, specifically to uh, you know get into Bitcoin to get rich. And he does not think at all that it's uh, a smart idea. If you can scroll down to the summary, the TLDR at the end. I Wait, think he- people invest to not get rich? Is that not the point? <laughs> I'm mind blown. The, the thing about crypto is that everything is very unpredictable, both the boom and the dip. Okay, so unless 
you are extremely lucky and get there at the exact right time, chances sometimes you'll, it's just like a coin toss. So his whole kind of thesis is around if you want to invest in crypto, if you want to invest in Bitcoin, go for it, but don't expect to at least instantly get bitch. Okay, you'll get disappointed. Bitcoin and definitely blockchain are here to stay, but you should invest in it for the long term and for the technological kind of advancement it will bring to the society. So I basically extremely agree with it. We do have certain vested interests in certain crypto, but I don't think I should disclose it on this podcast. What I do learn from the experience, though, is it's like throwing shit on the wall. Like you never know. Like you can do all the right thing and then you just become a day trader and can't really have time to do anything else. Just toss all your expectations, speculation aside, toss all of the whatever expert advice aside and just like invest in it for the long-term results. Then you'll feel a lot, this sense of peace and the sense of, yeah, I have a little bit of like skin in the game and I'll trust that. Yeah, I want to add like my two cents on this one is that like crypto is not unlike stock or unlike any other currency. You don't really have like anything to base it on. Like if you invest in a stock, you can base uh, the price and whether you should buy it or not based on the industry and the financial report and like the product and like how how much it can grow in the future or if you want to buy if you're going to go global you want to buy some foreign currency you can i would i would deny that you should buy like a venezuela i don't know what is the currency of venezuela but it's not like a fiat currency that you can like base the, econ- the current economy situation of the country on. Cryptocurrency, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general is very unstable. And I feel like 60% or like almost whoever buy Bitcoin don't even know what is that for. So by, if you go into invest, you shouldn't like in anything like stock currency. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin, even like fiat money, you shouldn't expect to get rich like over the night and just don't put all your saving into the portfolio. From I feel like you should buy crypto when you want to diversify your assets and you think it's interesting, like my case. Asset told me to buy it, so I buy it. Can confirm. I think we can disclose, by the way, Lang, right, that we are one of the uh, increasing number of companies that are offering employees the opportunity to accept part of their salary in Bitcoin? That is correct. We do have about 5% or 7%, I believe, of our total kind of holding uh, money in uh, crypto, mostly Bitcoin. And we offer the opportunity for anyone who wants to be paid instantaneously um, and I think that's pretty cool. So staying with startup news, the startup that I can't stop thinking about this week is called Gorillas. They are an on-demand grocery delivery startup. They raised uh, $290 million back in March and surpassed a $1 billion valuation. The reason why I can't stop thinking about them is because I live in Amsterdam, as aforementioned, and these guys won't stop embarrassing me with their incredible ability to speed cycle. 
on uh, like these old bikes sometimes even. And they just speed right past me as a non-native cyclist. And it's embarrassing, but they also do deliver groceries in under 10 minutes and their growth has been explosive. I'm seeing more and more of them on the roads. And I just think that's really an interesting indicator of the needs of our generation that we don't necessarily like to go outside too much when when not necessary and we prioritize convenience even if it costs a euro and 15 cents extra or whatever the delivery fee is so yeah i thought that was a really interesting startup ling do you have any responses to that you had some colorado startups on your mind this week yeah so this month in particular i've been approached by at least two or three lawyers about the prospect of moving some of their practices to rural Colorado, which I thought was interesting. And then there's this news coming out coming out this week of two Western Slope startups that are actually exiting successfully to public companies. One of them I do know, in fact, is this Montrose, which is a rural place in Western Colorado, startup called Nomad uh, Reservations, the founder, Cajun, and he, was actually in the same cohort as Moon when we got the $150,000 investment from GCBF, uh, Greater Colorado Venture Fund. So yeah, I think the gist of the article just kind of explained why rural Colorado uh, startups start looking more appealing to investors. I think a lot of it has got to do with, honestly, people moving to the outdoors, to like places with less density more and people investors just like branch outside of silicon valley and outside of like private i don't know new york or whatever the hubs of the world pre-covid and so i thought it's very interesting that half the moon as a startup started in san francisco and now based in rural colorado could totally work with a team of 40 people all over the world, all over the country. And so completely remote operation. I thought that could signal this trend to investors and to lawyers, like all these like practices surrounding startups, that there is more to the startup world than like a couple of hubs. And yeah, watch out New York, watch out Silicon Valley. Awesome. And what about you, Hung? How's the startup scene looking in Detroit? Yeah, I found like a lot, like I found a couple of startups that like I've been watching for a long time, but I don't know they were made in Detroit. And I'm not going to be like a resident of the city of Detroit anytime soon, but I know this uh, company called Autobook is about accounting and finance software, which is super lame compared to other startups we've been talking about. But like, if you were in Why am I not surprised that you're not a I think you just mean unsexy. It's unsexy It's like down to earth. But yeah, so like if you work in accounting and finance for a startup, you can, you know, things can get shitty real quick, especially like when you work for a high growing startup. Like how, I can't recall how many times I had to categorize everything on our QuickBook. It's just a pain. It's just super label focused. It's super manual. And I think Link can share the same pain with me. Yeah, this is definitely the least sexy startup. Did we respect your commitments? <laughs> we are I, mean, I mean, okay, look at me. I live in Detroit. I feel like Detroit is like the least sexy city we have here. The so business analyst comes in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah. hey, let's check out. What would you say would be the keyword for that? How many stories are tagged accounting on Hackanoon? Nothing. At least 29, hung People oh, care. 29. 29 you. glorious stories. That's Those amazing. are your people. Hot Hackanoon tip for our listeners. If you go to hackanoon.com forward slash tagged, you can check out all the top 27,000 plus. There's definitely more than that. Tag pages and all of the stories. For example, blockchain, just as a comparison to accounting, has 6,889 yeah. stories. Listen, I will edit the accounting articles. Let's do it. Accountants, rejoice. <laughs> Submit your articles. I will edit them all. Then yeah. we will grow the accounting section of Hacker Noon to bigger them. than blockchain. Yeah, I'll find it. heard it here first. Let's go. <laughs> you have down for it. Cute. All right. So let's wrap this thing up with a final around the room. Two questions. Which tech product, app, or podcast, whatever, is sparking joy for you this week? And which friend are you? I'll go first. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no pressure. So in terms of which tech product is sparking joy for me this week, I've been using the Bose noise-canceling headphones, the latest version, the 700 for a week now. Definitely sparking joy. Super sleek design feels just really good. Noise cancellation drowns out the world. It's like being underwater. Plus really fun gestures and shortcuts, which remind me of my AirPods and bring me a lot of comfort. So overall, 10 out of 10. And second question, I'm definitely a total Phoebe. How about you, Amy? Oh, I can see you being a Phoebe for sure. I am getting in back into my Kobo. Yes, I said Kobo, not Kindle. Suck it, everybody. Listen. <laughs> The Kobo is the only one that connects with the Canadian library system. What am I supposed to do? I'm using the Kobo. Team Kobo all the way. I love it. Currently, I am reading the Maya Angelou book. And then as for which friend's character I am, take a wild guess. I'm obviously Rachel Green. I am the center of attention and <laughs> I have a comment about everything. Obviously, I'm Rachel Green. Ling, who are you? <laughs> I love this question so much. I'm a total Monica. Top down. Like, I have no other friend's character that I can relate to, even a little bit. Can 100%. 100%. No, 150% Monica. As for tech that Sparking Joy this week, I literally just got this Apple Pencil and the Airport. No, not Airport. iPad Air like this morning and oh I've been God, writing yes. messages on Slack with my handwriting, which turns oh into God. text, which what? totally blows my what? I am losing my mind for that, really. That's interesting because I was debating the Remarkable 2. Have you seen that? It's like a notepad that does the same thing. But if yeah, I could get that all out of it. We have a Remarkable as well. Oh, I need yeah, that. But, but it doesn't do it. It doesn't do it instantaneously. So like you have oh. to write the thing and then convert it. At least the mm. remarkable one, which I've is what we have. I've got to tell you guys yeah. a quick story about Apple. Since we're on the subject of being ultimately loyal to Apple, case in point, it does everything. <laughs> got to get me that iPad, whatever. But I went to the Apple store the other day and on the way out, 
the assistant who had entertained my debating which Apple Watch strap would best suit my skin tone for approximately 45 minutes. He thanked me for my energy. And I just thought that was the most Apple thing to ever happen, to be thanked for my energy on the way out of a store in which I just dropped half of my savings account. Uh, it was just so great. So Apple for life. Minutes. Apple for life, bro. You have to make an appointment. They yeah. say it's 15 minutes long. I'm like, you will hear me out and stand by me and sanitize everything I touch for 45 minutes. <laughs> My AirPods stop working. Yeah, I'll give you more money for other AirPods. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> just just take my money. Last week, my tech recommendation was also the iPad Air Lang. Yes. Guess what? I listened to it and I listened to it. Shout out to any potential sponsors listening to this podcast. This is proof. Just put your shit on Hack at Noon. People are going to buy it. <laughs> Hung, what about you? <laughs> Well, I was hoping you guys forgot about me. This is not this great, but like one of my favorite apps is Libby, L-I-B-B-Y. And that's where my roommates start talking. It connects to your library and uh, you can check out some book about from your library to your Kindle. Libby is a, uh, a children company, a children app of Overdrive. So if you use Kobo, you can also use Overdrive to borrow a book from yes, your that's local what I library. Used to. Libby, yes. Yeah. About what friend am I? I don't know because Berlin told me that I'm a Chandler. Chandler Bing. I can see you so being like, a Chandler. Yeah. Yeah, a Chandler. Because uh, you're like goofy, but also like very anal about things. <laughs> yeah, so I guess. Use like, humor um, as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, like, and Chandler happened to me like my most favorite friend's character so i'm okay with that like i'm a teller yeah is he not also, also an accountant no so he was what does he do? in... he's a transporter <laughs> <laughs> whatever the... so, so so he's he's someone who's like data transporter he was like the richest of the sick until he quit the job and do some marketing thing <laughs> but like he was the richest because loser like, yeah because like that job with his experience can go to like six figure, no joke, in New York City. Imagine like I can use humor as a uh, coping me mechanism and I can do six figure. I'm okay with that. Okay, cool. I think that's a wrap, everybody. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, review, do whatever you got to do to make this thing a bigger green blob in the cloud and uh, keep the dream of an independent Hackanoon alive. See you on the internet. Thanks for listening, and thanks for taking part our panel this week on Planet Internet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.